Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning I want to recount for you an ancient story of a father and a son. A story about testing, about love, about sacrifice. And it tells of the strange and mysterious events that happened on a mountain that used to be called Moriah, although it would later be given a different name. And the place to start this story, fittingly enough, is on the third day. On the third day, Abraham sees his destiny as the sun rises in the east. Father and son are walking together, neither of them saying much of a word. The son is alive with anticipation, but the father is filled with foreboding. With their legs, they are walking together side by side, but in their hearts... In their minds, they are going in two different directions. They've finally gotten to the spot where their entourage can't go along with them. Abraham says to the servants, here guys, you need to stay. They don't even bring the donkey any further. From here, the deed to be done is Abraham's and his alone. From here, only faith can carry him. And so he speaks those beautiful, dreadful words. We will be back. We will be back. How did we get to this point? It had seemed like a cruel joke that God was playing on Abraham and his 90-year-old wife, Sarah. See, they had not been able to conceive children of their own, and this was surely a source of great pain for the couple through the years, but by their age, it's something that they'd also probably numbed themselves to, just to be honest. But then the angel of the Lord shows up one day, like he does, and he's got a message for Abraham. Abraham, he says, get that nursery ready. You are going to give birth to a son. And so how does Abraham respond? He laughs. I mean, what else could he do but laugh, right? Me, 100-year-old me. And so I picture him and his, his cheeks start quivering as he tries to hold it in and then his side splits and it was probably all very dangerous for a 100-year-old guy, right? And Sarah laughs too. The Bible tells us she was actually around the corner eavesdropping. Knew that she shouldn't be and so she has to try and cover it up, cover up her mouth as she's laughing. But what else should, could she do? It was a joke, right? A cruel joke, maybe, but it was a joke nonetheless. I mean, God is always leaving you either laughing or crying, and Lord knows that that she'd had enough crying. See, sometimes you laugh not because you disbelieve, but because you do believe, and you can't help but shake your head at how crazy God is and how crazy you must be to actually believe him. He's a God who keeps us in laughter or in tears, but rarely, it seems, somewhere in between. And don't think for a moment that God himself is not in on the joke as well. Because God says to Abraham, and oh, by the way, Abraham, I want you to name your son Yitzchak, Isaac, which means he laughs. He laughs. And so it came to pass, a year to the day after their laughing party, 100-year-old Abraham Puffs a cigar as a new dad, right? 
and Sarah. Oh my goodness, this adventure that had started 25 years earlier for the two of them as God called them out of a cushy retirement in Ur and said, don't stop until you hit the promised land and there you will have more kids than a rabbit reunion. Paraphrasing the Lord's words there. And now that adventure started 25 years earlier. Now it was all coming to a climax against all odds and, you know, conventional physiology. (laughs) Abraham and Sarah had a son just as God had promised. And they cried tears of joy and blessed the God who, who takes away and who gives. I mean, who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? That Sarah would be changing diapers when she could just as well be wearing them. (laughs) A few years pass. And God calls again. And I think that if they had had caller ID back then in the ancient world, that Abraham long would have stopped answering phone calls from heaven's area code by this point. Because Abraham knew, as perhaps you know as well, that God has this habit. God has this habit that just as soon as you have your life all settled and put together and you put the finishing touches on the good life, then God takes it and shakes it up like an etch-a-sketch and then hands it back to you. But as it is, they did not have caller ID back then. And so Abraham just says, Hineni! Here am I. Now what God said next might not make sense to you. It probably didn't make sense to Abraham either. But sometimes, sometimes you just have to shake your head at how crazy God is. Take your son, God says. Your only son whom you love. Take him up to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice. And then he hangs up, so to speak. You wonder the conversation that Sarah and Abraham had around the dinner table that night as they were talking about their day and and what their plans were for the next day. You know, Abraham just kind of being like, you know, uh, God called. And maybe that was all that Sarah needed to hear to know that they were in trouble. Her husband, whom she loved, And her son, whom she loved, were going on a trip. And poor Sarah has to be like like a mobster's wife. You know, you don't ask me about my business. But I reckon that that night, Sarah stayed up extra late looking in on Isaac. Which brings us back to the third day. The father and the son, they leave their helpers and their donkey behind and they speak those words, we will be back. The two of them grab all that they need for the trip. The father takes the knife and the fire and the son. The son carries on his own shoulders the wood, the way that uh, a grave digger carries his shovel. And off they go. And then the son asks a question. Now, as parents, there are those questions that you don't necessarily look forward to your kids asking. You know what some of them are. Uh, 
But worse than all of those is what the son asks the father here. My father, my father. We have the fire and the wood, but the lamb. Oh, father, where's the sacrifice? And then Abraham, with his eyes trained forward, gives what can only be called an answer of faith as he says to his son, God will provide the lamb for sacrifice, my son. He says more than he realizes. So they finally reach their destination. The father immediately starts building the altar. He doesn't want any help from his son. He refuses any offer to help from him. And and who can even say what's going through Abraham's mind in this moment? I mean, as he is thinking through and and working through, all we can say is that every hammered nail must have been a hammering of faith. Every knot that he ties could be untangled by faith alone. That's all that could carry him to this point. And what about the son? What's going through his mind? The father doesn't give him any explanation. There's hardly any dialogue at all. But the son knew that God had called and maybe that was enough. I mean, after all, he had been brought up. He had been weaned on stories of this God whose ways were mysterious to say the least, who kept you in laughter or in tears, but rarely anywhere in between, who called into existence things that do not yet exist, who gives life maybe even to the dead. The son knew that this father was was faithful. And so when he hears that call to climb up on that altar of wood, it's enough. It had to be enough. And so the sun goes uncomplaining forth. Tears well up in the father's eyes. And now all the echoes of laughter have faded away. This seems like some cruel joke that name does. We'll see if the Lord actually saves this time. The father binds his son, his only son whom he loves. What kind of love is this? What kind of sacrifice? What kind of father? And Abraham's hand shakes as he goes to take the knife. Then his skeletal old fingers finally get steady once he wraps them around the handle of the knife. He closes his eyes. He doesn't want to leave his son twisting in the wind. He doesn't want to leave himself twisting in the wind. So he pulls his arm back like a slingshot. With his eyes closed, he holds his breath and just waits and prepares to drop the blade like a guillotine. And then, suddenly... His arm slows, like, like when you're trying to wave underwater. It's God calling, again. And this time, Abraham is only too eager to take the call. Hanani! And God says to him, Do not lay a hand on the boy, your son, your only son. And Abraham doesn't wait for God to change his mind, but quick, you know, rushes up like a quarterback trying to get the snap off before replay overturns it, right? It's like quick as a cricket. He goes and he, he unties his son and, and touches him, touches his hands and his side, makes sure that it's really him and sighs like a man who is breathing for the first time in three days. And then it happens. The father lifts up his eyes and 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 catches a glimpse of the sacrifice. 
He's encircled with thorns like a crown. He's the one who will give his life in their place. In your place. You understand? And so he calls that place Yahweh Yireh. The Lord will provide. For as the Father had promised, on the mount of the Lord, the Lamb will be provided. That mount used to be called Moriah. But you know that place, that very same place, by the name that it would be given hundreds of years later. Calvary. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.